And like Moses, who freed the children of Israel and then fed them in the wilderness, the people were beginning to look to Jesus that he might first free them from Rome and feed them. And to this day, only Jesus is able to free us from the bondage of sin that he might feed our thirsty souls. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. So today we're going to look at the message from John 6 verses 1 through 21. I titled the message, The Prophet. We'll see in verses 1 through 9, a great multitude with a great need. Verses 10 through 14, the method of doing ministry. And verses 15 through 21, a miracle on the sea. Then he calls the disciples, verses 12 through 13. So when they were filled, so at the end of verse 11, they ate as much as they wanted. When they were filled, this has the sense in the Greek, these words gives the sense of this was a feast. There was a lot of food. Think about Thanksgiving, how you eat at Thanksgiving and eat too much. Even before dessert gets out there, you've eaten to the, to the fill. Oh, that's it, man. You push back from the table, except you know there's pumpkin pie. You know there's some dessert over there. And some will say, well, I shouldn't, but that's why we gain 10 pounds over the holidays in the wintertime, especially around here. You don't get to get out much. I'm looking forward to spring, looking forward to shedding those extra pounds that came on in the winter that I can trace all the way back to Thanksgiving. That's just me, but I know it was there. They ate to the full. That's what it's, they were satisfied. 5,000 men plus women and children. And it is a Greek word that means satisfied. Psalm 107.9 says, For he satisfies the longing soul. He fills the hungry soul with goodness. It's only God who can satisfy. And to the disciples' amazement, they went about and they collected up 12 baskets They began with five biscuits and two small fish, and they went and they got 12 baskets. There are some pastors who attempt to put some significance on 
why there were 12 baskets. I, to be honest, I don't know. The Bible's silent to that. We know at the feeding of the 4,000, they collected seven large baskets. So I'm thinking bigger than the baskets that they collected on this occasion. But I do know this, that how many disciples did Jesus have? Twelve. How many baskets did they collect? Twelve testimonies. Each one got to carry a testimony of the great work that Jesus had done at that time. And here's what I summarize from some of this. Four things. The significance of this one miracle that the Holy Spirit had it recorded four times in four different Gospels. First, in our own strength, we are always insufficient to meet spiritual need. And that's always going to be true. In our own strength, we will always be insufficient to meet spiritual need. Second, we must first receive from Jesus. Later on in this chapter, he will be identified as the bread of life. He multiplied the bread. We must first receive from Jesus the bread of life before we can minister to others. So we first need to receive from Jesus, who is the bread of life, before we can rightly minister to others. Third, in all that we do, we are always to give glory to God. And the significance of this from the other Gospels, when Jesus broke the bread, he looked up into heaven. He let the people know from whence their blessing came. In all that we do, we must always give glory to God. And number four, it's only Jesus who can satisfy, truly satisfy a person's soul. Only Jesus can truly satisfy a person's soul. Well, as a result of this one miracle, the people then in verse 14 they acknowledged him as the prophet. Then those men, when they had seen the sign which Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. The Greek word for prophet means to foretell. That's what we associate most often with this word, to foretell, talking about future events, but it's also to foretell. Uh, I am serving as a prophet right now. I am forth-telling, I'm telling the Word of God, I'm teaching the Word of God. And so there's the sense of both to foretell or to forth-tell. But the people recognized Jesus as the prophet. They tied it back to Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 and verse 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15 says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear. And in verse 18, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. So some have tied this similarity of Moses' ministry, the ministry of Jesus, feeding the multitude. Moses there, 40 years in the wilderness, they had the bread that came down from heaven, the manna, and Jesus feeding uh, the 5,000 men plus women and children, feeding the multitude. They recognized this as 
uh, Jesus being the prophet. Hawker's poor man's commentary. I put this in your bulletin as the pastor's been. But he said of Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 and 18, of all the striking prophecies in God's word, directly and plainly pointing to the Lord Jesus, this seems to be among the highest. This seems to be among the highest. The people had a longing for the coming Messiah. Remember, back in John 1.21, they asked John the Baptist, Are you the prophet? Are you the prophet? And later on, we'll find in John 7, at the Feast of Tabernacles, John 7, verses 37 and 38, and also verse 40, Jesus would cry out and say, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Therefore, many in the crowd, when they heard this saying, they said, truly, this is the prophet. They were talking about this prophecy from Deuteronomy 18, 15, and also verse 18. Peter, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 3, verse 22, when talking about Jesus he referred to Moses, saying, Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. Peter referred back to this prophecy, pointing the people to Jesus, saying that Jesus is the prophet. Stephen, before he was stoned, when he was preaching to the people in Acts 7.37, he said, this is that Moses who said to the children of Israel, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brethren. Him you shall hear. Stephen pointed the people to Jesus saying he is the prophet. He is the guy that Moses prophesied about. And like Moses, who freed the children of Israel and then fed them in the wilderness, the people were beginning to look to Jesus that he might first free them from Rome and feed them. And to this day, only Jesus is able to free us from the bondage of sin that he might feed us, feed our thirsty souls. And so our method of doing ministry must always be that we first receive from Jesus before serving others. And then finally, verses 15 through 21, a miracle on the sea. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to a mountain by himself alone. And when evening came, his disciples went down to the boat, got into the boat, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because of a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. And he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. And then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. So the 
fifth miracle that John records, Jesus walking on water. We find that Jesus in verse 15, a mountain of prayer, that he perceived that people were coming to take him by force to make him king. And so we learn from the other gospels that he actually sent his disciples away, told them to go into the boat to meet him on the other side. So the disciples were doing exactly, it's important, the disciples were doing exactly what Jesus had commanded them to do. He sent the disciples away while he dismissed the crowd and then went up on a mountain to pray by himself alone. In John 6, 26 and 27, they were coming to take him by force. This would be on a, the next day. Jesus would say, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. So the people were by force thinking, this is great. He can feed us every day. It'll be like Moses. And they were thinking of Moses. They were in the wilderness. That's not where God intended for his people to be when he brought them out of Egypt. That first generation, we have to remember the first generation that came out of Egypt did not enter into the promised land. Their children did. But so often we get satisfied with the wilderness blessings while never entering in to all that the Lord desires for us. So Jesus, seeing that this is, could turn into a bad situation, he sent his disciples away. He dismissed the multitude and he went up on a mountain to pray. And Mark tells us in Mark 6, 45 and 46, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he sent the multitude away. When he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. What's significant to me is that a couple of things. One is that he had sent the disciples specifically, go to Bethsaida, I'll meet you there. So they were doing exactly what the Lord had commanded them to do. Just remember that, we'll come back to that. Secondly, Jesus went to pray. And Jesus would often get alone to pray with his father. And it just is striking to me if Jesus took time to stay in quality communion with his father, how much more should we daily seek our heavenly father's face? And it reminds us of the busyness of this world that we live in. We must also take time to pray, to get quiet before the Lord. It's the word of God that says in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. And I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. Well, in verses 16 through 18, we find this great wind. We come back to the disciples. They're doing what Jesus commanded them to do. They're in the boat. They're trying to get to the other side. We know that there were at least six experienced fishermen on this boat. If you had me on the Sea of Galilee... And it's surrounded by great mountains, and it's a very shallow lake. It's not a sea, it's a lake, it's a freshwater lake. But it's really not that deep. It compares to Lake Superior here of the five great lakes in the United States as far as the depth and size is concerned. 
except for this lake is surrounded by mountains, which can cause some pretty troubling storms on the sea. As I was saying, if you had me on that boat, I would not be much help to you if there was a great storm. Perhaps six of the uh, disciples were not very much help as they tried to get the boat to its destination. But there was at least six experienced fishermen on this boat. And yet they were at a loss. I, I said this wrong once in a message, the SOS. I thought it always meant as a kid growing up, save our ship. But it means save our souls. And I got corrected by a fisherman who happened to be here on that Sunday that had been in the deep of the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, he corrected me on the meaning of that. It's not the ship, it's our lives, our very lives that we're worried about. And when fishermen begin to worry about their own lives, you know it's bad. And it was bad for the disciples. Jesus would often, as we know, go off to pray. But at this time, he was actually on that mountain and he's able to see the disciples that they were straining at the oars. According to Mark 6, 48, Jesus was watching them. They were trying to be obedient to the Lord's command. The great wind was opposing their progress. And Satan will often stand in opposition, trying to prevent us from accomplishing God's call upon our lives. 1 Peter 5, 8, 9, that's why Peter wrote, Be sober and vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brothers in the world. Some have tried to say that Jesus, you know, he wasn't actually walking on the water. He was close to the shoreline. And so it looked like he was walking on the water. John tells us they were three or four miles out. It was deep. So, I, you know, people who try to argue these things, they need to read the Bible and see what the Bible says. I've been three or four miles out in the uh, Sea of Galilee. I didn't try to get out of the boat and walk on water there. I knew it was deep. Again, Mark reveals that Jesus saw them while he was on the mountain, but he waited until the fourth watch of the night. It's the last watch of the night before he came to them. And I think Jesus will often speak something to our hearts, a command that he gives us to see if we will obey him. And often we constrain at the oars, attempting to obey. At times we may feel like we've been abandoned by Jesus and that he has left us on our own, but it's during these times we need to remember that the Lord may be testing our faith. He may be testing our spiritual muscle to see how well we will do and take comfort in knowing that Jesus is watching over us and will come even if it takes the fourth watch of the night. In Psalm 91.11, have you guys ever seen semi-gravel trucks driving around this area? There's a semi-trucking company that on the top of their trailer, they have Psalm 91.11. I see it often. So one day, it's, I wasn't thinking of the psalm. I was wondering, what is that psalm? And then I often see it and wonder, what is that psalm? 
and I forget about it. And finally, one day I looked it up, and this was it. For he shall give his angels charge over you and keep you in all your ways. I don't know the name of that trucking company, but I like the verse of Scripture that they have wanting God to watch over their drivers. Not only did Jesus walk on water, but before he got into the boat, the other Gospels tells us that Peter came out to meet Jesus on the water. We know that Peter sank. We know that Peter, when he cried out, the Lord saved him. We know also that when Jesus got into the boat, the winds uh, calmed and obeyed him. And the disciples, according to Mark 14.33, said, because of this, not the feeding of the 5,000 where the people said, truly, this is the prophet. But in Mark 14.33, the disciples worshiped Jesus in that boat and said, truly, you are the son of God. And John tells us that another miracle, they immediately found themselves at land where they were going. And no wonder they were greatly amazed. Mark 6.51, amazed beyond measure, and they, they marveled in Jesus. We discover that sometimes we strain at the oars while trying to obey Jesus' commands. But take courage in knowing that Jesus is watching over you and know that he will come. He has power over all things, even the elements. We find that through the account of the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on water that we've seen that Jesus is Lord over everything. In Colossians 1, 16 and 17, the word tells us, For by him all things were created that are in the heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. This is Jesus to whom we put our trust to this day. I look at these passages, and I think about our own circumstances. And I wonder how often we do not see the miraculous, largely because of the hardness of our hearts. As we go on in John's Gospel, chapter 6, two more uh, teachings in this chapter, Jesus will plainly teach his disciples that because you didn't understand the 12 baskets, the bread, because your hearts are hard, there was something even the disciples didn't get about what Jesus was trying to teach them at that time. And I fear far too often we are like our beloved disciples. Well, today we've seen the prophet in verses 1 through 21 of John chapter 6. We've seen a great multitude with a great need in verses 1 through 9. It reminds us that our physical energy and strength will always be insufficient to meet spiritual need. In verses 10 through 14, the method of doing ministry, our method of doing ministry, we must always first receive from Jesus before we can minister to others. And finally, a miracle on the sea, verses 15 through 21, we discover sometimes we will strain at the oars. We're trying to be obedient to the Lord's command. We're trying to do exactly what he's called us to do but things sometimes just don't seem to be working out. We need to know and to take courage that Jesus is watching over us and he will ultimately meet our every need. Let us be a people who are continually 
and greatly amazed beyond measure at the miracles of Jesus that he has done that we learn about in scripture, but also the miracles that he is currently doing, working out in our lives that we might be a testimony to others around us, that we might, as we learn today, first receive from Jesus, that we might be able to minister to others the spiritual needs and the longings that they have, that only Jesus can meet for each of us in our lives. And Father, thank you for your word, for what it teaches us. And I pray, Father, Lord, bless us as we go through your word, Lord, especially here this year in the Gospel of John. Give us courage, Lord, help us to grow in our faith and help us, Lord, not to just grow and learn more about you, but to take our faith and put it to action, Lord, that we may, as we learn today, receive from you that we might minister to others, that, Lord, through you, we might meet in this world that we live in today very spiritual needs that are around us all the time. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Yeah.